Wolfpack Nation, how are we doing? It is Pack Center. It is your host, Austin Paschke, joined by your co-host, Tyler Seth. It is your favorite Nevada sports podcast back at it again. It is a glorious Thursday. We will be releasing this on Friday ahead of the Weber State game on Saturday. There's been some controversy. Is it Weber or Weber? I don't know. You've been saying Weber, but I've... It looks like Weber. It looks like Weber, but everyone at the Sagebrush says it's Weber. Well, think about this. Uh, All-time great um, Chris Weber spells his name with two Bs. Right. That's why I'm thinking it's, it's Weber. But... We're playing Weber State on Saturday at 4. The game is at Mackey Stadium. It will be available on ESPN3, which is always cool to see. Weber State is an FCS school, but like we have stated many, many times, they don't play like it. And they are one of the most successful FCS schools in the country. They are ranked number 6 right now in both the AP and coaches poll. 1-1 one and one on the year. They lost to San Diego State in their first game beat Cal Poly in their second game. They look pretty good. They lost to San Diego State 6-0 and then beat Cal Poly 41-24. I just want to say San Diego State put up the same amount of points as we did on Oregon. They put up six against Weber State. We put up six against Oregon. So San Diego State's going downhill. Hot take? Worse than San Jose? Hot take? Hot, hot. <laughs> okay, probably not worse than San Jose State. But looking ahead to this game, it's going to be an interesting one. It has been 26 years since they faced each other. It is also Hall of Fame weekend here at Nevada, which is pretty cool. We have our first all-female class of the Hall of Fame class. Hall of Fame dinner is tonight on Thursday as we're recording. But all nine inductees will be recognized at halftime during the game. That's really cool to see. Always fun for Hall of of Fame weekend. And it's cool seeing the first all-female class. So that is something to look out for. But I'm really, really excited for this game, guys. I'm super excited for this game. Why? Is everyone, like, why? You know what I mean? Everyone's asking this right now. In your heads, phones. You're like, why is it his favorite game? Because, because this is going to show us how good the pack really are, in my opinion. Purdue was kind of a fluke. Uh, It was our first week. We didn't really have anything down. We kind of came back from, you know, three touchdowns down, and came back to beat Purdue. Oregon, I think, was a fluke as well. They were pissed off about the week before in Auburn, ran up the score on us. But this is going to be a good test for this team, I think. I mean, Weber State's not a traditional FCS school, so as we play them, I think we're going to see how good we are. Norvell even said this is the most scared team of the entire non-conference. Like, he's most scared of this team. Makes sense. Right? I mean... If you're not like through the rest of the way, I could see it. I don't. I I don't see how Oregon's less scary than Weber State. But right. I'm assuming he means the rest of our non-conference schedule. Well, even though any any what he was talking though, he was saying over summer he was he wasn't even talking about Auburn or he wasn't even talking about Oregon and Purdue. He was talking about Weber State even over summer, because I mean when you think about it, those two teams, like I said, I I don't think we saw the true Nevada team in any of those games. And I think that if we lose to this team, I mean, that's going to be a crazy shock. And it's going to be, you know, really telling how our team's going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. It's So I'm excited to see this game. Norvell is excited to see this game. I think it's because Weber State could easily stomp on UTEP, who we play next. 
And they can stomp a Mountain West team in San Jose State. I think a lot of teams could stomp on UTEP in San Jose State, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like yeah, this yeah. is this is a decent team that we're gonna be facing. Yeah, so, no, it's it's an opponent we definitely can't take lightly by any means. Right, and if we if we slip up, it it could be a really tight game. It could be a really tight game, and we definitely don't want to lose this game. They're physical and they are well coached. As Jay Hill is entering his sixth season, he's really turned the team around. Three straight FCS playoff appearances. I mean, he knows how to coach. I think he is an Ohio State protege. And so I think he, I mean, he has a really good head on his shoulders. He t- completely turned the team around. And uh, they've they have done really well in the FCS. A run-heavy team, though, which is very, very good for our defense. Not throwing the ball around. We'll get to the lack of the secondary presence in our team later. But, I mean, if they're running the ball a lot, that that'll, that'll be really good for our defense. I like it. I mean, our front seven is solid i mean that's where the most of our experience is so run heavy teams bring them on i think lucas and gable stop yeah. on their tracks pretty quickly yeah i think don peterson's gonna have a big game i mean we don't want to go against uh pass heavy teams you saw what oregon did even purdue in that first half was kind of picking apart our secondary a little bit before we, we oh, stepped yeah. it up so um yeah i mean it's two ways to look at that sdsu game it's either we- weber state was really on and they were just firing all cylinders, or SDSU sucks. I'd prefer the latter. I mean, that was an abysmal offensive game. I remember when we saw the scores uh, after. I, I think thought we it were, was a typo, yeah, bro. Like, thought, I really did. We uh, we were going through on our ESPN app on our phones, and we were going through kind of Mountain West scores to kind of see where the other teams were doing that week. And we saw right. the 6 nothing game, and we yeah. both kind of looked at each other and – in like disbelief, like how did they only score six points? Yeah, two field goals. Not I don't a touchdown. know. I don't know. S- San Diego State. I don't think that they suck, uh, but because they obviously went on next the next week to beat Pac-12 powerhouse UCLA. I don't know about powerhouse. Yeah, but, I don't know about powerhouse anymore. I mean, but Pac-12 team. I yeah. mean, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I think they got it figured out, but it might have just been a weird first week for SDSU. They did squeak out the win. But their offense, Weber State's offense, is looking good. Their quarterback, Jake Constantine, in week one went 21 for 31, 119 yards, one interception. That was against, obviously, San Diego State. No touchdowns in that game for them. Week two, he went 17 for 23 for 137 yards and one TD. He did not finish the game, though, because of a knee injury. We'll get to that a little bit later. Their offensive line gave up one sack to Cal Poly, and he did not practice Monday or Tuesday due to that knee injury that he got playing Cal Poly. Caden Jenks had to come in the game due to that knee injury. He went 5 for 7 for 45 yards. Chris Murray tweeted out that we don't know who's going to be playing against us. Um, Like I said, Constantine missed Monday and Tuesday's practice, maybe just for cautionary reasons. But whoever's under center, it doesn't really matter. They are a run-heavy team led by Josh Davis, the FCS National Freshman Player of the Year. So we had our, the Mountain West player, Freshman of the Year. They had the FCS National Freshman of the Year, which is pretty impressive. He was named Big Sky Player of the Week last week after running the ball 14 times, getting 137 yards and two DDs. That's a pretty that's a solid stat line. Yeah, that's an impressive stat line. And then we also they also have Kevin Smith, a junior. He missed the entire year last year with a – I think it was a torn ACL, a knee injury for sure. Had 13 rushes for 118 yards and zero touchdowns versus Cal Poly. The running game is starting to come around for them. Against San Diego State, 
they only had 35 total rushing yards. So that San Diego State defense really brought it down hard against them. But they improved. They bounced back against Cal Poly. Obviously, the talent is a little different, but they ran for 275 rushing yards. So that that running game is impressive, to say the least. And it's because they are running behind a solid, solid offensive line. They're without their junior, Tyler Downs. He has missed the first two games because of a knee injury. He's not looking like he will be playing against us, but he is their leader of the offense line. He, they are without him. But each starter checks in at over 300 pounds. Each? Each starter. Each starter is over 300 pounds. Some big boys out there. They're breeding in Utah. That's what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> like that, That's a big offensive line that they're running behind, so they get some good push. Dom Peterson and the rest of the D line is going to have something to play against. That is for sure. Their wide receivers, like I said, aren't their focal point. They are returning all but one of their wide receivers from last year, so that's a good sign for them. They are a run-first team, like we said, but they have quality pass catchers versus Cal Poly. Their top receiver was Rashad Shahid with six receptions, 49 yards, and a touchdown. They only had a total of 182 passing yards compared to their 275 rushing yards versus Cal Poly. So I think this is going to be a good matchup against our defense, for sure. How, how do you think we're going to stack up uh, our defense against this high-powered running offense? I mean, look at it on paper. I mean, it's I love it. You know, like we're saying, our front seven is probably more experienced, definitely more experienced than the secondary. So we're going to see a lot of that leadership coming to play this game. Hopefully we can hold them to under 35 rushing yards and beat San Diego State, but I don't think that's very likely but yeah i don't know about that one. that would be amazing feat um but yeah definitely if we can stop their run we stop this team especially with a kind of a iffy quarterback situation going on right now you know you don't really know who's getting the ball and even if their starter gets the ball um jay constantine he's probably not gonna be playing at 100 percent. you know missing the first couple days of practice this week so it's gonna be interesting i think big key obviously stopping the run and if we do that i think you know we'll hold them to very little points this week yeah I think it matches up perfectly with our defense the quarterback situation is interesting to look at because like you said even if they do have their starter under center how efficient is he going to be I mean he didn't practice Monday and Tuesday for a reason you know what I mean so it's going to be something to watch but I think our defense will be able to squeak out the edge against their offense we should be able to shut them down I do think they're going to score obviously more than they did against San Diego State they're going to put up a couple touchdowns on us, but I think I think we're going to we're going to hold them to a, a minimal game and uh it's it's going to be looking good for our defense, I think. But on their defensive side of the ball, they are pretty good. They stop the run very very efficiently. Their defensive line has two real they have two really good uh pass rushers on the edge. They have All-American 2018 All-American Adam Rodriguez. He is returning all Big Sky honorees at both defensive ends. So they're they're pretty good. They're looking good. They held Cal Poly, who is a primarily rushing team, to 164 rushing yards. Held San Diego State, which we know is a rushing team, to 130 yards, and that's around three yards per carry. So they really held them to small day rushing um, when they played them both teams. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Their linebackers, they have Austin Titch. I think that's how you say his name. An all-Big Sky pick in 2018. He led the Wildcats linebacking corps, but they have two other newbies that they have to spring in with him. So it's going to be interesting to watch the linebackers play when they only have one returner. And then their secondary is almost a complete rebuild. So 
it's going to be interesting to see how Carson Strong plays against the secondary, which, you know, it's almost, like I said, a complete rebuild. I think we definitely have the edge with our wide receivers going up against that. It's, I think it's going to be a pass-heavy game. Hopefully it's going to be a pass-heavy game because we need to get Carson Strong out of that rut that he was in against Oregon. So how do you think this defense stacks up against our offense? I mean, like you're saying, um, I hope, like I said earlier in the week, I hope Jay really opens up the playbook here this week and, you know, lets Carson just gunsling. You know, I think when we kind of did that towards the end of the Purdue game, that's where you saw him shine in the second half when he was just kind of giving the ball and said, make some plays, um, either with his feet scrambling like he did a bunch of times or, you know, hitting some open receivers. So definitely something to watch out for is just Carson um, – you know, expanding his knowledge of college football and seeing multiple looks and maybe audibling at the line, you know, trying some different things. Um, so our experienced receivers can kind of get out there and, you know, make damage on this uh, young rebuilt secondary. So it'll be interesting to watch. I think that's definitely the keys pass heavy. Um, I also think you can't not give Toa and Jackson and Kelton more the ball this week. I think you have to keep pounding the ball no matter what, um, because, if we do throw it all on Carson's shoulders, it might be a little too much, you know. So I definitely think we need to try to run and try to keep it as balanced as possible. But I think if we just lean a little bit more towards passing uh, and, like, not super pass-heavy, but say maybe like a 60-40 split, I think uh, that'd be the kind of recipe for success this week for the offense. So definitely don't count Toa and the other backs out of it. We need them to, you know, keep touching the ball and keep the defense honest when they're um, – you know, dropping back to pass or um, into coverage. So it'll be interesting this week. Definitely, hopefully Carson can, you know, have his really breakout game and um, shine this week in Mackey. Well, especially with that defensive line, they're they're really good at stopping the run, but they're also really good at pressuring the quarterback. And, it, and with our offensive line, they've been struggling hardcore. I mean, Purdue, they had a little bit of a pocket, but, I mean, it just seems like their head's not there. We are ranked 111th in penalty yards. We've given up 20 penalties for 149 yards. Obviously, that's not all on the O-line, but it's something to look at because, I mean, either our heads aren't into it or something else, and it's just, you know, we can't keep giving up those kind of yards on those penalties. And Toa Tawa, I think, needs to have a big game. We keep saying this every week, but yet he's not getting touches. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's at all. I think Toa Tawa ran the ball – like six times against Purdue. Yeah. And then I think another 12 against Oregon or something I was like say that. It wasn't, I don't think it was more than 15 touches. I think it was less. Definitely. I think he has 18 rushing attempts between the two games. And that's something for a Mountain West freshman of the year yeah. last year and someone that was um, getting some preseason awards this year. Right. That we can't, you know, not let him touch the ball and get a feel for the game because. I mean, six touches in that Purdue game, how is he really going to get a feel of the game and get his kind of momentum going with only six touches? Um, a little bit better in the Oregon game, but that's a very good defense he's facing. It's going to be tough for him anyway as kind of a young running back still. You know, the thing is, I think that I know I keep forgetting, he's only a sophomore. Right. And, like, you know, his freshman year was a breakout year. Mm -hmm. So we got this kid for a couple more years, so we definitely want him to get, like, feel comfortable in the system and right. try to, you know, bust his way open this game. I think this is a good game to do it. But we got to give him the ball more. That's we why. Have to. That's why I'm saying the 60-40 split might be kind of ideal this week because we definitely want Toa touches this week. But I think they keep trying to give Jackson Kincaid and Kelton Moore the ball more than they should. I I get that they're really special backs in their own right, and they're both seniors. We want to get them touches, 
But when it comes down to it, I mean, we have a very special running back in Toatawa. So I think we need to give him more rushes than he's been getting. Yeah. Definitely. At what point does getting seniors touches matter right. more than winning the football game? I agree. I think that's a big question yeah, that and you got to ask. Especially with, a, um, especially with a young quarterback and an experienced quarterback, quarterback, an experienced O-line that maybe might not be able to give that pocket to him, we need to start running the ball more. We need to get Toa into the game. That is something to look forward to against Weber State. Back to our secondary, though, some not good stats, all right? Some just not good stats with our secondary. We rank second to last in passing yards allowed per game in the FBS, 412 yards per game. We are also second to last in the FBS in scoring defense. Granted, we have been playing some really good offensive teams. Purdue was decent in the first half, throwing the ball all over us. They they moved the ball at will in that first half, and then – Obviously, we saw what happened with Oregon. They were just all over the field, just moving the ball. Justin Herbert had an amazing game, and we had no answer for it. So, granted, these are sample size numbers. That's why I'm so excited for this game, to see where we are as a team, because this game will actually show how how well we could do. And another point is, do you think if we are blowing this team out, I don't think we're going to blow them out, but do you think we see another quarterback finally under center? We saw Hamish McClure. But do you think we're going to see someone else, you know, maybe a Malik Henry, a uh, Christian Solano back there rather than Carson Strong? Uh, I think Carson Strong is obviously going to start, but do, you, do we think we see another quarterback come in later in the game? If it's a blowout, yes. I think – I honestly think you plug Malik in there and kind of give the fans yes. what they've been wanting and what yes. what AJ's been wanting and oh, what yeah. the rest of Wolfpack Nation's been wanting. Um, I think it's kind of a must for Jay Norville this week if – you know, um, if we are blowing him out, this is all hypothetical, obviously. Right. But if we are blowing him out, I'd like to see Malik in there at some point and showcase his talent to Wolfpack Nation, who has only really seen him probably on like a TV yeah. show. You know? I know I'm not the only one that wants to see him. Oh no, yeah. There's no way you're not alone, right. for sure. But it's I think it's a must if we are blowing him out. We need Malik in there. I could also see Christian Solano maybe sliding in there, get him some in-game reps for, you know, just whatever Definitely. may happen down the road. You, you know? don't want to you don't want to force him too back too early though. But I mean, he has been healthy. That's so. true. If he's been practicing this week and right. taking full reps and full contact, I don't see why not. Um, yeah. I think last week was kind of the holdout week for Christian, and this week it's all guns blazing. So definitely, I hope to see Malik um, in a blowout situation. Um, I'd be not disappointed to see Christian instead of Malik, but I'd understand where right, Jay Norvell is coming from. You know, you want to get these guys in-game reps. You know, heaven forbid, knock on wood, later down the season, Carson gets injured, and yeah. we need a quarterback to step up. Um, but, yeah, I think that's always very important in a late-game situation, getting some guys some in-game reps to kind of prepare them. But, yeah, I definitely hope we see Malik at some point this week. Maybe even not if it's a blowout. Maybe just a couple, of, you know, trick plays here and there. Ooh, me too, dog. Me too. I want to see Malik Henry in there. I want to see what he can do in a silver and blue uniform. And then everyone's favorite facet of the game, special teams. Do you think Brandon Talton is going to be the MVP for the third week in a row? No. Okay. And thank I, God. And I hope that he isn't because if he is, that I means love the that kid, we are God. not doing well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we need someone else to step up and score some points and actually become the MVP of the game. It can't just be Brandon Talton all the time. 
So it'll be interesting to see who actually takes over that role and becomes the MVP of the game. Could be Carson Strong. Hopefully, maybe it's Toa Tawa. We will see how the game goes. A little interesting tidbit, though, in Chris Murray's article. He did write that Weber State, their coach Jay Hill, has obviously had a great reputation at Weber State. But do you think he could be going to the FBS level anytime soon? Chris Murray definitely thinks so. He said maybe UNLV. Oh, ooh. That'd be a little that'd be a little interesting. Be interesting. Their coach might be on the outs. I mean, I could you're having this much success in right. a football program, no matter where it is. Kind of bringing Weber State and ranking them nationally, it's you know, you have you're gonna have other D one colleges and maybe some power five schools looking for like an assistant down the road. Um, his name's gonna be brought up. You know, it's if you show you have talent and you have coaching ability, you know, people will come find you. And I think that's something that, you know, he could definitely move up, uh, get a little bump in pay and a bump in um, competition and definitely. a little better program for sure. And they've been saying that Tony Sanchez might be on the outs. I mean, he's he hasn't done so well at UNLV, so he might be on the outs. That that'll be interesting to really watch. Now, as we're closing up on Weber State, like I said, the game is Saturday at 4, Mackey Stadium. Be there, get out, tailgate, have all the fun, watch the pack, whoop on Weber State. Do you have a prediction? Pack win. Um, yes. I say we score 35, and Weber State scores 17. 35-17. Okay. Win in Mackey. We see Malik Henry Oof. on the last two drives. Oof. Now that is a take. I love it. I love it. I think they score 10 points. I think our defense steps up. I think we hold them. Their quarterback situation is going to be a little bleak. So I think they're going to run the ball a lot, which is perfect for our defense. I think they score 10 points. I don't think we score 35, though. I think, mm-hmm. I think their defense surprises us a little bit. I can see us scoring. I could see us scoring like 28, 31, um, around there. But I think we hold them to 10 points. I think it's a great win for the Pack. I think the Pack fans can actually see – you know, what this team is going to be like with the games following. We do have an easy, kind of easier slate uh, with UTEP coming up after this, and then I think Hawaii, then San Jose State. I believe so. So it, w- it should be kind of an easier slate, even though Hawaii has beat two Pac-12 teams in a row, and they're on to a third this this uh, this week. So that's something to watch. Let's watch out. Yeah, yeah definitely. But switching on to some other sports, we do have some basketball news. About time. You know, any excuse to talk Wolfpack basketball on Pack Center, we're gonna take it. Always. We're gonna we're gonna bite it. Always. Because the Mountain West released the TV schedule for the Mountain West teams. We are playing on national TV a minimum of twenty times. It could go up, you never know. So then we go into our exhibition games, Cal State East Bay on October nineteenth at five PM, Colorado Christian on October thirtieth at seven thirty. Both these games will be played at Lawler. So that's that's something that's interesting because we're not going to see a throwback game anymore. That's kind of sad. It is kind of sad. I don't know if it's the worst thing ever. I does it kind of symbolize th- a moving on from Mus's tenure? I think that's what they're trying to do. I think the the throwback game was pretty cool. Um, Mus, by the way, side note, Mus is trying to get that started at Arkansas. Is I saw, he really? Yeah, I saw this tweet. Uh, it was two days ago or three days ago where he said, I'm guessing it's their old gym because he said, Hog fans, would you like to see a game played at, you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I forget the name. And then, um, you know, I went went to the comments. There's like 200 comments on a tweet that said they would love it. So I'm guessing 
that is an old thing. And it's like, really, he's gonna take that away from us? But you know what? It's all good. It's all good. He's he's taking care. things. Yeah, we're, we're good. Over we're it. not salty. So um, but no, but both games are gonna be played in Lawler, kind of uh, ending the throwback game streak. Four Mountain West games are now moved to Tuesdays to accommodate with the broadcasting schedule. Some ways to watch are going to be CBS Sports. We appear on that most eight times this year. Most of all platforms will be playing on. ESPN will air, will air seven games. AT&T Sportsnet will have five games. And then games such as like the Paradise Jam tournament will be streamable. So that's pretty cool. And then I have to say this. WTF, Tyler. What the heck is going on with the Wednesday night game at 8 p.m. against UNLV at home? It's interesting, to say the least. I did see a comment on Twitter. Um, Nathan Shoup also tweeted about this on Twitter. You know, good boys of the Reno Slant. Shout out them. Shout out Reno Slant. Um, tweeted about it on Twitter. There was a comment that said he asked his following, you know, is this, do you guys like it? A lot of them said no. I did say one comment that said they liked it. You know, it gives fans um time to get home from work you know grab a bite to eat and then kind of relax and head over to Mackey at eight um i do see that point but at the same time it also draws a lot of fans away because it's so late in the middle of the week personally i don't like it i want to see us play on like a friday right or a saturday like we yeah. you know the other mountain west games are i don't know why this has been happening the past three years i think we've done this a wednesday night game against unlv at home um it's it's not the best but you know the students will show out you know the fans will show out inevitably yeah um so it's gonna be a good game for the pack but yeah just kind of disappointing to see it wednesday night though like that's i i do like though it is later um which you would think that it would deter some of the families going but i actually think later is a little bit better because some people get off work around like 6 6 30 yeah exactly so it's giving them time to like go home eat change rest a little bit and then go to the game so we should see all fans out for that unlv game we got to stomp on the rebels like we always do in basketball but then on to some volleyball we covered volleyball in our last episode they played in the tournament at san francisco but now looking ahead they will be playing in a tournament in portland oregon starting when this airs on friday they'll be taking on portland state Morgan State and Cal State Northridge. I believe they take on Northridge, CSU Northridge, for their first game in Portland, Oregon. So stay tuned to the volleyball games. We will be recapping that next week, see how they do up in Portland. Women's soccer, like we stated before, we are no strangers to how they've been starting off a little slow, but they could bounce back under the leadership of Kendall Stovall. They play tonight. 6.30 when this releases on Friday. They play at 6.30 at the new TMCC facility. Admission is free to the public, so, I mean, you really don't have to pay anything. Just go and hang out, have a good time, watch some soccer. But they will be taking on the Pac-12 program, University of Utah. The Utes are coming into town. We haven't beaten a current Pac-12 team since beating Utah in 2011. It's kind of a fun fact. The Utes have five different goal scorers. As they have a very high-powered offense, this will be a great test to our defense, who's been doing so well this year, as we've touched on. Agreed. The Utes beat Utah State 3-0. to zero. They also beat an undefeated Boise State team in 1-0 in double overtime. So this team's pretty good. Yeah. It's going to be a great test to see how good our team actually is. 
Our only two goals have come from freshmen. Youth is a great sign, but we hate seeing only two goals scored in five games. Um, Stovall has absolutely been killing it, as we've touched on. Second in the Mountain West with 27 saves. As a sophomore, she already ranks fifth in the school history with 127 saves in her career and currently ranks fourth in the Mountain West with a .844 save percentage on the year. Wow. Love to see it. She is killing it as the Nevada goalkeeper. How do you think this game's going to go? I am skeptical. I mean, if our defense can step up, we might hold them to one or two goals, but, I mean, how's our offense going to do? Exactly. I think skeptical is a pretty good word for this game because I see some scenarios where Nevada does really well. Like you said, if our defense really steps up like they have been, um, and then we kind of get a couple more goal scores, I could see it going well, but there's also a lot of scenarios where I see it going bad. Yeah. I don't think we've played this caliber of a team yet, no. this good of a team in Utah. Um, so, again, a great test for our defense. I don't think we come out of this with a win, but I think we still keep it close. Yeah. I think we don't lose by more than I'll say two goals. Yeah, me too. That's what I was thinking too. I don't think I don't think we get blown out. No, I don't think it's a blowout by any means. Because our, our defense I think is actually really good. I mean, and our we also obviously have one of the top goalkeepers in the Mountain West, if not in the West Coast. So it's like we could see what's gonna happen. It will, you never know with soccer if one or two goals finds the back of the net, we could get a dub. So Interesting to watch. Come out on Friday at 6.30 at the new TMCC facility. Admission is free, so there is no excuse for you guys not to be there, okay? Get out there and support soccer. Women's golf up next. On September 9th and the 10th, the Pack had their first event of the season in the Dick McGuire Invitational. The team finished 16th over, 16 over par, 8th place in a 15-team field, so definitely not the worst, not the best. Mediocre is the word I'm going to use right in the middle. So out of the four Mountain West teams were, that were there, they finished, um, they finished, they beat three of them. So that's pretty good. Solid. So, you know, senior Jenny Cross led the team with a tie for 23rd place in the 87-player field. That's pretty impressive. Shot a 77 in the final round. Finished the event three over par. Nevada will return to action September 23rd and 24th at the how am I going to say this? Ready? It's French. Correr de Alain. That's, that's actually pretty good. Okay. Correr de Alain Collegiate Invitational in that place, Idaho. The city is named that. I don't, I don't want to say it again. That's all right. You did good. Yeah. For someone who took two years of French in high school, I'd, I'd give you a passing grade right there. All right. There you go. So we come back to action September 23rd, 24th. Stay tuned on women's golf. See if they can get a little bit better. See how Jenny Cross can do in that one. Then on to men's golf. Kind of a big story in this one. I love it. Yeah. I mean, kind of a big story. Sam Harnd. I mean, if we had a player of the week, I think it'd go to Sam Harnd. Right now, I would give my award to yeah, Sam Harnd. I agree. Easily. I agree. He started his Wolfpack career as a walk-on, which is always something crazy to see and then you have a lot of success at the collegiate level he won the badger invitational the entire thing won it all whole tournament wow his first collegiate win of his career shout out to sam congratulations he begun the last day two shots back of the lead and in tie for sixth place he carded an eight under round of 64 on the final day which tied his career low 
he finished 12 under par for the tournament. I mean, I I probably could have done as well, but no. Yeah. <laughs> I would have finished, I mean, probably plus 100 on that course, but... That's why we sit behind the mics and yep. they are the ones with the clubs. That's exactly right. He collected nine birdies throughout the final round, just one bogey. In 54 holes of play, he just had five, he had five bogeys and 17 birdies. That's, that's impressive. That's really impressive. The pack jumped five spots to finish fifth as a team. The pack was one of five teams in the 16-team field to conclude the tournament under par as they finished two under as a team. A lot of that, I'm guessing, was helped by Sam, but the rest of the team did pretty good. Tony Gill had the second-best finish of the day. He finished 17th with one under par, and then that makes 11 top five individual finishes in the last 12 events for men's golf. The next event is Husky Invitational in Washington on September 16th and 17th. This golf team is something to keep an eye on as Pack fans. Oh, yeah. Um, I, we, what day was that? It was Tuesday when they finished up uh, their uh, tournament on Tuesday. And we had just gotten out of a movie, AJ and I. And um, by the way, it too, very Crash. disappointing. Um, movie review coming soon on Pack Center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It anyway, was trash. Uh, we get out of the movie, and I the first thing I do is look at my phone, checking for Nevada men's golf, obviously, as one does on a, a Tuesday night. Always. And I see that Sam won the whole thing, finishing you know eight under on the day. And I'm just super excited for Pac men's golf, and that kind of makes me so excited for the future of this program as well. You know, not only having the first collegiate win for Sam and winning the tournament individually, but placing fifth. Uh, as a team in that tournament, is something to be to be very proud of. As there was very good teams yeah, was, that we were competing against. I was just about to say there were some good teams. I, I think, think Notre Dame like knocked it out of the park. Yeah, like, they, they finished as a team. I believe they finished twelve under. Wow. As a team. Yeah. Um. So that's absolutely insane. But yeah, so it gives me a lot of hope for Pack Golf this upcoming year, and definitely it's something we at Pack Center and you at home should keep a close eye on. Not one of the sports that kind of gets a lot of love when you start talking about collegiate athletics, but something that, as a true Nevada fan, you should be watching and um, trying to pay close attention to. Yeah, because you know, almost every Pac fan looks for the basketball scores. They look for the football scores. Most of them even look for the, fo- the baseball scores. But, I mean, men's golf is, has steadily been one of the top-performing sports at this school. So it's really good to watch them even continue to grow even further. And who knows what this, you know, I think the sky's the limit for this team as they keep doing well, they keep grinding. And Sam Harned is someone to watch, I think, as he continues his collegiate career. So everyone stay tuned September 16th and 17th as they travel to Washington for the Husky Invitational. And I think that is all we have. I think that is it. Mackie, 4 p.m. Saturday. Get out there for the Weber State game. It's going to be a good one. I think the Pack are going to take it. And do you have anything else, Tyler? Uh, my prediction for the Weber State game, game MVP goes to Caleb Fossum. I think he breaks out from that slot position, has 10-plus catches, 100-plus yards. He throws in a couple of touchdowns. I think he's going to be the player of the game for the Weber State game 100%. I like it. I like it. I like the MVP. Also, if you guys have an MVP of the week, let us know. We are going to start a new poll on Twitter. I think it's going to be on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. Sundays. It's going to be on Sundays on our Twitter, Pack Center NV Twitter. 
and we're going to have a pretty much an MVP of the week. It could be on any sport at any time. It's just someone that, you know, went above and beyond during that week. It could be football. It could be, you know, it could be golf. It could be volleyball. It could be soccer. But it's just going to be one player that kind of, you know, exemplifies the MVP position. So if you guys have suggestions, let us know in the comments. But we will have a poll, which make it a little bit easier for you guys to vote. So stay tuned for that. Also, yeah, go pack. Get out to Mackie, 4 p.m. Weber State on Saturday, guys. Go pack.